Wow, what a buzz in the room. It's just uh, great to get together. I love Sundays. I love Sunday mornings. I love this. I love church. I love being together. And uh, it's fantastic. I look out every single week and we see new faces every single week, which is amazing. And so if you're our guest, this is your first time or you're revisiting, you are especially welcome. Especially welcome. I hope that others here uh, make you feel welcome. You join us. Uh, week three of a series that we decided at the beginning of the new year to, to look at the book of Ephesians, this incredible letter that was written by Paul uh, six to eight years after having spent um, about two or three years in uh, a big city called Ephesus, which um, is in modern day Turkey. He wrote this letter from prison in Rome and he wrote it to the, le- to the people of the church in, in that city that he had helped plant. And um, just a reminder that this whole book is about how God, uh, it was about this original design. Remember the, the picture analogy, the old photographs that were taken, you take the photograph and instead of the digital stuff that we have these days and that negative was then processed and it became the picture. The picture that God intended was a people, was a people regardless of Jew and Gentile or Protestant or Catholic or um, the color of your skin, every tribe, every nation of the world would be one with him, that they would worship him for eternity. And uh, this picture uh, that was painted or was taken, uh, Paul also writes how we are to develop the picture, that we would become this people. And we get to do that now, and we get to do that through this thing called church of which we are a church, which we are made up of many, many different types of churches. And it's just a wonderful thing. Last week we looked at the end of chapter 1. And for me, I I consider the the key verse in that passage, uh, the verse that says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, glorious Father, may give you the Spirit, His Holy Spirit, of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. And that's what we spoke of. We spoke of the the God, the Holy Spirit comes to us so that we would know him better. That's his job. That's that's his role. That's his personality. And, uh, And for us as believers, that we would know the person of the Holy Spirit who reveals God the Father and God the Son to us. And that's what we looked at last week. So, as we turn to this incredible passage, uh, there's the words on the screen. I hope you can read them. If you can't, give me some feedback later and I'll try and make it bigger for the future. Chantel, you can't see that from sitting there. Well, okay. Chantel, you're reading. If you can't look at that one, look at There's too many words on the screen. I will give you feedback. There you go. <laughs> As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you, darling. Praise the Lord for wives that give us honest feedback. Um, Proverbs says an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. I'd rather the kiss on the lips myself, but here we go. <laughs> Most incredible passage that we've read there. And uh, we're going to look, uh, take it piece by piece. And uh, if we fail really to grasp the severity of our sin and the reality of the situation outside of Christ, then we actually miss uh, the point and the wonder of the gospel. And this passage both paints a very real and honest account of the state of the nature of our sinful hearts, but it also tells of the most incredible antidote, uh, the amazing uh, grace that Jesus shed, um, his precious blood that was shed on the cross for us. And if anything, from this one passage... And the whole of this book and the whole of the Bible, there's one word that can kind of paint the picture, and that's the word grace. And we're going to look at that uh, quite a bit this morning. Paul begins by uh, this passage by reminding the, the Ephesians of how they used to walk. And he ends the passage by telling them how they are now able to walk. The people move from a walk of death to a walk of life. Here we go. So he begins this distinction again between Jew and Gentile by writing, as for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. He being a Jew, writing to a predominantly Gentile uh, people, he speaks of them, as for you. But then in the beginning of the second sentence, the second verse, he says, all of us, which implies all of humanity, whether you're Jew or Gentile, religious or pagan, man or woman, that all of us are dead without Christ. We are, each of us, our, our own humanness, our, own, um, our innate being. We are without Christ, sinful. And uh, Paul says that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And he is wanting to make it really clear that once upon a time that we were all dead to sin. B.C., before Christ, those of us who know Jesus and those of us who at some point in our lives, we've made this commitment, we made this stand, we said, yes, we believe who you are and we surrender our lives to you. We are after Christ. But before Christ, for each one of us, you were dead. We were dead. And he is writing to the church assuming that they are now in Christ. And it is important that we see that once upon a time we were enslaved. Christ-less does not mean being free. You know, without Christ, that's not being free. And Paul paints the picture of three masters who controlled us before we were rescued. And there are three masters, and we're going to look at them. They are the world, the devil, and the flesh. First of all, the world. We were dead to sin because of we followed the ways of this world. 
The ways of this world is better translated as according to the age of this world. It's better translated according to the age of this world. And the old age, the time that we spent before Christ, and the new age is now the time that we spend after Christ. And it characterizes a different time and a different way. In a nutshell, without Christ, we walk in the ways of a Christless age. Secondly, we were dead in our transgressions and our sin because of the devil. Referred to in the passage as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the devil is referred to as the prince of demons, prince of this world, and the god of this age. Before Christ, we were dead in our transgressions because of the influence of Satan, of the devil. And it's hard to take for us, isn't it? Before Christ, we were at his mercy. He was our master and he ruled and reigned in our lives and we followed his leadings. The temptations that come in our lives still today for those of us who are in Christ, they come from him. And if we follow the ways and his leading, then we are obedient and we are a master and we are a slave to the devil. Regardless of what we think, regardless of whether that's difficult to take, that is true. He is the ruler of the kingdom of air. And the word air simply means that, that sphere of influence between heaven and earth. That sphere of influence that he still has and maintains here on earth. We spoke last week a little bit about the kingdom. We talked about how Jesus had come and he'd established his kingdom here on earth and his rule and his reign. But we in the vineyard, we speak of this thing that the kingdom has come, but not yet. So when Jesus the king came, he established his kingdom. He spoke of the kingdom, he taught the kingdom. Friday morning, we, have, we open our doors, the rest tea room. We have people from our um, community coming. That's the kingdom. In our group on Wednesday, our life group on Wednesday, we're praying for one another and we're praying that God would come in and would break in and would, would bring healing to one another. That's the kingdom. That's the rule and reign. Now, the air that is spoken of is the rule and reign that Satan still has on this earth. So still, bad things still happen. Bad things still happen to good people. And that is where he has his rule and reign still, sadly. Until Jesus will someday come again. And then lastly, the flesh. We are dead to sin because of the flesh. All of us who lived among them at one time gratified the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. All of us lived there. All of us gratified the, 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 the desires of the, of the, of, of the flesh. Some of us still do, and some of us still go back there from time to time and for a wee visit. It's the innate sinful desires from the flesh. It's, it's about our thoughts, it's about our words, and it's about our deeds. But let's take caution. Let's look at this. It speaks of gratifying the cravings. And gratifying really is a verb. It's a doing word. It's a word that speaks of action. And there's a big difference between having the thought and actually acting out on the thought. For example, you could be thinking of something that was really juicy to say in a conversation. You could have knowledge of someone or something and you'd love to just throw it into the conversation and it would be really kind of quite tasty, you know. There's one thing thinking of sharing it, but it's another thing actually doing it. Another example is, you know, you might have the thought of going somewhere 
going to some website or some web page that's quite juicy and all the rest, it's another thing actually going and doing that. Another one is thinking about filling in a false insurance claim. Having the thought of, oh, if I just stuck that down, oh, you know, it's another thing actually doing it. And so there's a difference, isn't there? Gratifying that, those, those natures, those desires, those desires are in us, let's be honest. And lots of that is called temptation. And there's a big difference between being tempted and actually doing. Uh, Rick Warren said this brilliant, brilliant quote, many, many quotes that this man would say, thoughts are just thoughts. It's what you choose to do with them that matters. Once upon a time, we were dead to sin because we gratified the desires of our flesh, the things that we wanted. It gets better, trust me. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Ultimately, we were condemned. We were condemned, each of us. Regardless of what we think about the severity of someone's sin and someone else's sin, sin, sin. Regardless of, of how bad in our own minds and our own kind of ranking order or pecking order, all of us were once doomed. Without Christ, we are doomed. And I realize that this is not particularly uplifting stuff. You've come and you've gotten out of your bed and you've come here and you're like, goodness, when's it? It's got to get better. It's got to get. He mentioned grace earlier. When's he getting to that? We're getting to that. But it's essential that we understand this. It's essential that we grasp just how far we have gone, where we have gone, where we have come from. It's, it's really important that we grasp that because if we don't, we cheapen the gospel. And we make light of actually the sacrifice that Jesus actually did and what he actually did for us and paid for us. The motivation of what God did comes from his character. His character is love. And that was the motivation for what he did for us. His character is love. Because God is love, because God is rich in mercy, we no longer are left dead in our transgressions, but we are now made alive in Christ. Before Christ, we were dead. We were doomed, subjected to wrath, deservedly so. But because of his great love, he is rich in mercy. And folks, if you're looking for a verse to... Memorize for the week. If you're wanting a verse for the year, if you're wanting a verse to live your life by, if you're looking for a real humdinger that you want to write and stick on the fridge at home, maybe you want to make a car bumper sticker or maybe even a poster and display it somewhere on your grounds. It's that one highlighted. It is grace. It is by grace that you have been saved. That is the heart and the message of the gospel. There are brothers and sisters in our town and across this country who love to preach the first bit of this message. They are experts at it. And it's true. What they speak of is absolutely true with a megaphone to people. It's absolutely true. But it's only half of the gospel. And they would do really, really well to preach the second half of it, which is this bit here, that it's all about grace. Bono, the singer, very well-known man, um, 
lead singer of the band U2, was asked once, if you could sing just one song, one last song ever, what would it be? And his answer was Amazing Grace, the song that we sang this morning. Amazing. That would be his final song. And he, um, he wrote a song about the word grace. And by the way, we kind of considered slightly at one point about calling our little girl Hope Grace, but I say grace instead of grace. And grace is kind of slightly nicer. Um, but that, anyway, grace it is. That's why she got called Hope. It's not really, but it's just a bit better. So Bono writes this. He's, in the lyrics of this song, she takes the blame. She covers the shame, removes the stain. Amen. It could be her name, Grace. It's a name for a girl. It's also a thought that changed the world. Amazing grace. That's what it's about. It's a, it's a gift. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It is amazing that when God raised Jesus physically from the grave, he rose us spiritually with him and seated us with him. That's the big picture. Let's go back to the analogy right at the beginning, right at the beginning of the last two weeks. That's the picture. That's his intention. That's what was predestined. That's what's ordained, is that we would be seated with him in heaven forever and ever. In this new earth and this new heaven, this new earth, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, that we would be seated. And after Christ, because of what he's done, he has seated us with Jesus forever and ever and ever. And lastly, on this point, we are no longer subject to the power and the slavery of the old master. We have a new master in Jesus who is far superior, whose rule and reign and dominion is over Satan. Paul is clear that we understand what God has done for us and that our new identity is clearly in him. We are a reconciled people. He mentions it again. It is by grace that you have been saved. Grace is such an alien concept to many of our distorted minds, our earthly minds. Nothing in life is for free. We've heard that saying before, haven't we? You know, that's why giveaways are just brilliant. What do I mean by that? I mean those times when we've gone out into our community and we've given things away during um, Valentine's Day, giving away Valentine, you know, the love hearts, uh, Easter time, and we've given away um, sweets and different things and Easter eggs and all those. When we do that, people's reaction is, what? why? Our friends in North Street Presbyterian, they go out once a month, they go and pay for parking tickets of people going into the car parks. They issue them a ticket and say, there you go. And they're like, what, what? It's so alien to our lives. Our conscience, nothing in life is for free. And yet, this is for free. There is no catch. It is a gift. And Paul writes about two negatives to further clarify this amazing gift called grace. And the first one is this, that grace saves us through faith. It is all too easy for us to think that we offer God our faith and therefore we receive grace. 
but dead people cannot receive anything. If faith is dependent on us, we are not really dead to sin. You see, they're both the same. Both the grace and the faith are the same. They're a gift from him. It's like that bit in 1 John that we love because he first loved us. We cannot love without experiencing his love. It's all grace and it's a gift and we just have to accept it. And there are folks in here, you've been Christians for years, you know Jesus and you're following his ways. And you as well as I would do well to receive the gift again and again and again. We're so hard on ourselves. Our culture is so hard and so harsh and so graceless. And we are a people of grace and we need to receive this gift that he's given us. It's a gift. You just need to say thank you. There are no strings attached to it. You just say thank you and go on. And when we really truly experience his grace, it changes our lives. I think we get that first bit brilliantly. You know, we're scumbags. Yes, okay, I know. You know me. It's like, but grace, that's the stumbling block for us. But it was never meant to be a stumbling block. It was never meant to be. It's a gift that we each receive. And secondly, it is not by works. There is no room for human performance. There is no room for striving or pleasing or doing things because we ought to do them. It is a gift. Despite this, we must be cautious that we never teach this message of because of what God's done for us, then we should therefore do. That's rather like a, a parent basically telling a child, look at all that that I've done for you. Now, what are you going to do for me? Uh, that's not how it works. Those of us who are parents, we do it and we do it and we do it out of love, out of love, out of love. And we keep doing it without expecting anything in return. And it's the same picture. It's the same picture. It brings us into landing. This is, for me, one of the... I just love this verse. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We find ourselves doing good works because we want to, because we choose to. And actually, by doing the things that God has made us for, it brings us alive. I got my first job, my first proper job, when I was, I think it was 21 or 22. I'd done loads of part-time jobs as a, as a teenager growing up and all the rest, but I remember my first proper job, I was a, I was a youth pastor in a church in England, and um, quite nervous about doing it. And I spent a few days with the, uh, with the previous youth pastor who was moving on. He'd spent four years at this church, and he was showing me the ropes and telling me everything that I needed to know. And then his passing words were, he prayed for me, and as he prayed, he read that verse. He read the verse that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So whilst we can't attain his grace through good works, we were actually made for good works that he had prepared in advance. And that is the thing in each of us that God has made you for. I remember when he spoke those words over me, when, I, when he prayed for me, I was just like, wow, 
this was all part of this big plan. Wasn't it? Isn't that amazing that God actually wants me to, to do this stuff? Isn't that amazing? It's all in advance. What's he going to do? For years, whenever Chantelle and I met, we knew, we sensed that at some point we would get to do this crazy adventure that we're doing with you folks. We just, we just, we sensed it, we knew at some point. And for us, acting this out and being, doing this stuff is so thrilling. It was prepared in advance for us to do. And so the question is, as we wrap this up this morning, is twofold. One, what has he prepared in advance for you to do? We've said this many times before. What has God got for you? What were you made for? When he took a photograph of you in the womb, what was the picture? Because he's developing it. He's developed, you're in the dark room, right? And it's coming alive. The original design that he made for you, that he dreamt over your life, what is that? What does that look like? And then secondly, for us as a church, what is it that God has prepared for us in advance for us to do? What is it? Like, I just, I've got loads of ideas. Like, you come, I'll buy your coffee, I will tell you a hundred ideas. You know, they could just be my ideas. I think some of them are probably what God wants. But here's the thing. God's speaking to lots of you guys too. And he's calling you to do something. And someday, sooner or later, you're going to come to us and you're going to say, do you know, I think we should work amongst migrant people in this town. And we're going to say, that sounds amazing. Let us know how, how you get on. And we pray for you and we'll let you loose with that. We've said this before, he who gets the vision gets the job. Come to us with an idea and we'll say, that sounds amazing. And we'll support you and let you go with that. Maybe. What, God, what, 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 what is it? We believe that some of our best ministries, some of our best uh, things as a church are yet to be birthed. We were chatting on Friday in the venue. And Chantel used a brilliant analogy. Um, she said it feels like in church right now that we feel like a, this snowball that's at the top of a hill and it's just coming down a hill. And it's gathering momentum. It's gathering speed. And it's gathering more snow around it. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Some of the inquiries and some of the connections that are beginning to take place in amongst our community are absolutely amazing. And we just sense that that's just going to open up all kinds of doors. It's going to need you guys to do that with us. It's going to need your resources to help us do those things. It's going to need your time. It's going to need your prayers to actually bring these things to fulfillment. It's an incredibly exciting time that we're in right now. And um, who knows? Who knows where we're going? We'll just see.